We have a trade to announce. I think you're going to want to hear this. This is the Cruise Cast. Welcome, everybody, to a pseudo emergency episode of the Crease Cast. This is Crease Cast episode 132, part one of two. Two will be recapping a laundry list of shit, which we're going to record after this one, but we felt we needed to get this one out of the way because the Canucks are in the news, and depending on where you sit on certain sidelines or how you feel about the team's direction, etc., you might not have liked what you heard or read today. And uh, let's just uh, just first, you know, get some deep breaths going, drink some water, have some tea, you know, drink some calming beverages, smoke a joint, like whatever. I got to go to the store later, get some gummies, but I've Let's got cold say, brew coffee. That's that's my that which which isn't calming so I much would, as it's just gonna make me extra hyper. I would say, yeah, if you can avoid caffeine like at all costs, maybe just like delay it a bit, you know, slow your roll. But the Canucks are in the news for a big monumental blockbuster of a trade. In case you don't know, or in case you're here because you want to hear us bitch about it, which is fair. Um, the Canucks traded. Louis Erickson, Jay Beagle, Antoine Roussel, their 2021 first round pick, the ninth overall pick, a 2022 second round pick, and a 2023 seventh round pick. In exchange, they obtained the RFA signing rights of Connor Garland and Oliver Ekman Larson at 12% retained, meaning for the next six years, the Canucks will be paying the left-sided defenseman, $7.25 million. Now, the ninth overall pick, which we are uh, was just drafted, actually, by the Arizona Coyotes because we are recording as the first round of the draft is taking place. They took a right winger from the WHL, Dylan Gunther, a sniper. Uh, a lot of goal scoring from that kid. Could have been a good... Canucks player maybe it might have been a bit useful in their top six you know how they need scoring but alas they decided that Connor Garland at his next contract is more valuable to them and getting out of the final year of Erickson Beagle and Roussel's contracts was important those three deals totaled 12 million dollars in exchange they basically gave up four million dollars but it'll kind of delete itself when they re-sign Garland to whatever contract he is. So it'll pretty much be like a net neutral cap transaction. I was just looking at this though and thinking to myself, should the Arizona Coyotes have even been allowed to trade for a first round pick? Because for those that don't know, the Arizona Coyotes were punished by the league for tampering with prospects uh, back when they had John Chaka as their GM and before Chaka was relieved of his position and suspended for several years from ever being involved with the hockey management for what they deemed as unsportsmanlike uh, conduct or whatever as a management professional in the NHL. So I'm thinking myself as I look at the trade graphic from the Arizona Coyotes where they announced their pick for Dylan Gunther I think to myself, should they really have even been allowed to trade for a pick this year? Because 
they I mean, were the team... they were stripped of a pick for breaking the rules. And the point of stripping the pick from them was to emphasize how seriously the NHL takes draft tampering. This just circumvents the punishment. So why were bit. they allowed to do this? It's, <laughs> it seems really bizarre to me. But because well, I think in the NHL's offense, they're like no one is dumb enough to give them a to give them a better pick than than eleventh <laughs> overall. Overall, right? Like the no NHL is like, dumb. there's no way these guys have anything worth a tenth overall pick or a first round pick. They're screwed. Yeah, yeah the, and then the Canucks they ended thought up otherwise. <laughs> had they had they picked as normal, they yeah. would have fit. They would have they would have been three spots back from where they started. From where they ended yeah. up being with the like where they ended up with the Canuck pick, so they went from they would have drafted, I believe, eleventh. That got yeah. forfeited, or and now they pick, or maybe it would have been twelfth, I guess. But now they pick ninth. Yeah. So they basically <laughs> moved up in the draft when they had no business or right. They, to be they moved up, up in the, in the draft, draft without the assets required to make that happen somehow. Yes. like just just wild stuff yeah um, we'll I, we'll get we'll get into it in our episode for tomorrow morning but obviously the like the, the big overarching theme of the expansion draft and this trade or sorry the entry draft was cap space is at a premium teams are going out of their way to get rid of contracts that they don't want to pay anymore to players that they don't trust or believe in anymore. And they're willing to pay a very hefty sum to get out of those deals so that they can continue on taking the next step with their organization. The Canucks were in a position where they admittedly said they needed two years before they'd be contending again. This move accelerates it a bit. And I say a bit, because there is huge asterisks and question marks around whether Oliver Ekman Larson can actually still be a competent defender. All of the un- analytics and underlying stats that you and I have both been seeing on Twitter all day paint a very ugly picture. Ekman Larson might be a minute muncher, but for the Canucks in their current iteration, they have, they have enough minute munchers, and they unfortunately, <laughs> the other minute muncher on their team makes six million dollars for fucking five more years. So why the hell do they need another defenseman to eat minutes at more than six million dollars per season when they haven't even signed Quinn fucking Hughes? Well, Tyler Myers needs a partner. I mean. <laughs> he so, needs a black hole partner. He needs so, someone okay. else who can be just as bad in his own <laughs> end as he is. So to mask his own problems. We'll get Look, into here's the thing. We'll get here's into the, the, the arrangements. I, I wanted to quickly go into what were your, I mean, I don't know about you, but I was at work on Twitter and all of a sudden I was talking with my coworker. Who's like a huge Canucks fan. He delivers to the Canucks. Like we actually ship stuff to the Canucks. And so he's always there talking with like the the management staff or not management staff the uh yeah, he's always like the, the arena size. staff and whatever <laughs> they're giving him jerseys they're giving him swag sticks all the time they're super nice people and we're both standing there just shooting the shit about the weekend and the draft and then all of a sudden both our phones ding and it's like hearing Oliver Ekman Larson to the Canucks with Connor Garland and for the next forty five minutes. We did not move from our positions. We were just watching Twitter blow the fuck up. So you and I were both tweeting the entire time. 
I don't even know if we ever engaged with each other because everything was moving at such a rapid pace. So I'll ask you now that we're actually talking in person. What were you, what was your gut reaction to this trade? My gut reaction. uh, Let's see. I I think it was something I can, I think I can remember exactly what I was saying along the lines of (laughs) when I saw the tweets start going down. It was something along the lines of, no, 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 no. <laughs> that was it. That was it. No, just no. Just a long it was, string of no's. It, it was, was that Family Guy gif where uh, the the house gets broken and I think it's Cleveland is sliding down in the yeah. in the tub and he's like, no, yeah. no, no, no. That, yeah, was, that was that was basically the last like three hours until the de- all the details fully came out. Yeah, it was. It was. It. I just couldn't believe that I was having to hear this again. Like we went through this last year. We went through this whole situation last year where we said, hey, Oliver Ekman Larson is not a good enough defenseman for what he costs. You shouldn't bring him in because you already have a guy just like him named Tyler Myers. You don't need another one, especially one that's more expensive and for longer term. And what did they do? They ignored us entirely. They just waited a year and then did it again and, and actually did the thing this time. I'm right now. I'm wearing for those of you not on the uh, watching on the YouTube channel. I'm wearing my brand new Toon Squad <laughs> jersey that I bought uh, for, from the movie Space Jam. It's a it's a it's a very cool jersey, and I think it's a very good. It's a very uh, I, I think it's a very apt jersey for uh, this podcast specifically because the Vancouver Canucks are just a cartoon mess at all times. They're just they really are just a cartoon organization. They're like. They're like the Acme company, you know, that one that always is sending out the the items that don't work, that never work properly, uh, that to the Wiley e. Coyote when he's trying to catch Roadrunner. They never work the way he wants them to because they're terrible. Yep. Um this is this is it. This is the thing. This the Canucks I do, I don't know what the, I don't know what the hell they're doing. Like I don't know what you want here. Like okay, I know what listen, they're doing. Yeah, I was going to say did playoffs. you listen did you listen to the Jim Benning presser on 650 like kind of yeah. immediately after? Yeah, the one so, where he's like, oh, Oliver Ekman Larson is still a top-notch defenseman in the league, which tells me that Jim Benning has not watched a single one of his games I was gonna in say, the last five years. He also uh, said uh, Oliver Ekman Larson's plus-minus is, isn't great over the last year, but I don't know why that is, which is not what you want to fucking hear from the fucking GM <laughs> that just traded for. I didn't for. hear that. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. Uh, Daniel Wagner, Pastor Dubulis on Twitter, tweeted out that quote and I even tweeted out several quotes. I kind of got in shit from Sadiar Shah for calling out his uh, co-host for um, basically kind of marginalizing or or minimizing the impact or importance of a fully invested farm team, a fleshed out prospect pipeline system with the AHL I basically said, like, LMAO, what the hell are these guys talking about? How can they say this is an important, like, because that's what they were saying. They were basically saying it wasn't important because it's about short-term gains, which you can understand. Francesco Aquilini has made it important to this, his organization, to his brother, his dad, that they're going to make playoff money. Fans are back in the building. They need to make playoffs. So his agenda to bet Benning is we need to get there. I know you said two years, but we need to get there. So I understand from that point why you need to make moves that better your team in the short term. But Ekman Larson doesn't even satisfy any of the needs they really had. Because 
Alex Edler wasn't really someone you needed to replace to the tune of $8 million. He's Alex Edler is someone yeah. you can get for like 2 million bucks on the open market. Yeah. Um, OEL is a slight upgrade on Alex Edler. Not a lot, but definitely. I think it's fair that marginally he's an upgrade. younger. He's a marginally younger. He is an upgrade by just objectively speaking. But yeah. the cost of said upgrade is way too expensive for, especially considering that Alex Edler made less money last year. I would have, if you had told me I had to choose between taking OEL's contract and giving another one to Alex Edler for like another year or two, I'd be just like, here you go, Alex, yeah. take what you want. That's well, fine. I am not going to, yeah, I'm not going to fight him on that one. Especially and, because the logic behind re-signing Edler too would be uh, the assumption that you're, you're waiting out this year so that you can wait for Beagle, Roussel, and Erickson's deals to expire and then you have the money to like go big game hunting. Like our last episode, I said uh, you could look at Colton Pareko on the open market. Maybe you, I don't know, you make a trade for a Dougie Hamilton if it doesn't work out for wherever he signs next. Like you have no idea what is what opportunities are going to arise. But this move basically kills any opportunity you might have in the future because you're committed to such a high dollar value on a marginal upgrade in an area you weren't looking for. The team doesn't need left shot defensemen. The team needs right shot defensemen. They have Myers and Schmidt on the right side. They need, specifically, they need right shot defensemen who can work as a defensive uh, buffer yes. for the for the puck moving guys on the left side, like Hughes and Rathbone. Yeah, Oliver Ekman Larson is neither a right defenseman nor nor a defense nor a defensive defenseman. He no. is a puck moving defenseman. You know what he is? You know what he is? He's Eric Goodbranson, but more expensive. That's all he is. He's just uh, he is a guy with a well known reputation as a high draft pick who is yep. handsome. And and Very that's why and that's the whole reason he's here. That's the only reason he's here. He's just yeah. more expensive, Eric Goodbranson. That's all. You, that's all you're gonna get. It's gonna be. The, I can already see it now. I can already see next year with Ekman Larson, where literally it's gonna be like, oh, there's a goal against with Ekman Larson on the ice. Yeah. Oh, there's another goal against with Oliver Ekman Larson on the ice, doing like a weird slide thing across. Like well, I can I can already see it happening every single here, game. Here's the question I'll pitch to you right now. What are the pairings? Because we already know that Nate Schmidt doesn't really work with Hughes. They don't want to have two puck moving guys together. Well, he Myers might not doesn't... even be here by the by next, I mean, night, yeah, by the next like, time. Let's let's put the caveat say, here. They might move okay. Schmidt for all we know, right? But assuming okay. like what they've got right now is what sticks, and then they find okay. someone else to be on. Like we'll have we'll put in the asterisk. Some guy is the third pair right shot defenseman. So you have Myers and Schmidt. Myers doesn't work with anybody because he's just awful. He has no chemistry with Rathbone. He has no chemistry with Hughes. When he plays with you, Levy, he throws him under the bus for his own for his mistakes. Um, yes. Like it, there's no one you can put him with, really. I guess you yeah. put him with Ekman Larson and hope that they are not a complete disaster together because that's yeah. literally the literally that's the thing the only reason i would be comfortable I, the only way i'd be comfortable here is it's like well you know what they're both gonna be bad in their own end uh might as yeah. well not let him let either of them drag down the rest of the group which yeah. still means that you're paying uh approximately what 14 million dollars for uh for well pair, i guess a little bit lower closer. 
Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit less. Like for like, yeah, for a third pairing, you're paying close I think, to like twelve, thirteen million dollars with the retained salary on I, I OEL. It was, just a disaster. Yeah, like, I believe Jackson McDonald had the tweet saying they finally replaced Ox, Oscar Fantenberg, which is about as accurate true. as it gets. Like the I mean, except, like you said, Ekman Larson is probably going to be the Myers shutdown guy, even though he's not a shutdown guy, but because he plays a lot of minutes, the team, and by team I mean coaching staff and Jim Benning are gonna assume he can play a lot of minutes, therefore he's a shutdown guy and can play with Myers in that role. And it'll be a disaster. And hey, maybe Rathbone Schmidt works out, but that still means of the 13 million or maybe seven million dollars the team has left in cap space they still need a shutdown right shot defenseman to play with hughes it's so much to ask for in this offseason already that they need to re-sign Pedersen and hughes to their next bridge contracts but then you also add in re-signing connor garland to a deal that doesn't make the team look stupid because you can't re-sign him to a contract that is more valuable than Tyler Toffoli's because you're going to get fucking eviscerated for it. And you still need to replace Travis Hamanick, who was fine, but apparently he's looking elsewhere and you can't just bring back the exact same decor again. So you need to improve there somehow, which probably means you have to trade Rathbone or your second round pick or whatever picks you have left for like Vince Dunn from Seattle. See, you yeah, say nothing see, to work with. See, nothing you said here is wrong, except for the fact that the Canucks are going to look at the fact that they got OEL today and say, well, our job's done here. We fixed it. We fixed the blue line. It's good. Everybody's well, Jay, good. That's all they're That's what they're going to do. They're not going to have anything else. Has gone to UFA. He's going to be moving out on. So they don't have Jalen Chatfield in the system anymore. RIP. But after that, like, they have nothing. I, I, what, po- I don't know. I was on like seven podcasts last week. On one of them, I pointed out what they a have vi- a little flex. I, I'd be flexing. Um, Victor Pearson, who's going to be playing for the uh, Kamloops Blazers of the WHL next season. He's like 19 years old, seventh rounder from last year, is one of two right shot defensemen that they have in their system right now. The other one is Jet Wu. But Jet Wu has many years to go. He might be something, but you can't exactly rush a 20-year-old into a shutdown right-shot defenseman role. No, That takes time. Kevin Bieksa did not walk from Bowling Green University into shutdown pairing minutes with Dan 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 Hanhews. It took him time. He had to beat Federer, Federer off in a fight first. That, <laughs> yes, was, that, was, that was step one. That was step yes. one. Um, but okay. I'm ad- admittedly, I'm being very hard on the Canucks right now. Like, and I think fair, I think fairly, like, oh, I think yeah, it's not, nothing fair. I've said here is nuts. Like uh, I'm, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the fact that the Canucks right now are projected to have $18 million in cap space uh, without having signed the two best players, the franchise, the two best draft picks the franchise has ever had since the Sedins. Like they like what like you don't expect me to get a little bit of upset at least a little bit upset here don't don't you, but like let let's look at the positives here a little bit because there are some that we can take from this there are a couple positives here worth mentioning specifically the fact that yeah. the the top nine does look good like that's a like the top nine objectively does look yeah. better than it did uh, a week ago 
Wait, Assuming they signed it's... Garland to like a decent deal, the top nine looks way better than it did last year. Like, uh, I don't even remember if we talked about Jason Dickinson the last episode that we were together. I think that happened. Ooh, after. We kind of did. Or he might have touched on it. Okay. Yeah. But like, okay. So you get Dickinson, which is a gr- for very cheap, which is a great pickup. Mm-hmm. Uh, and who you, and you didn't, and you definitely didn't have a good, he was, he's a arguably a much, a potentially better version of Brandon Sutter um, with that at, especially at a younger age. And then you throw in the fact that Vasily Pudgolzin might be, might be coming to Vancouver. It might be playing on the NHL team this time, this by next season. And now you add Connor Garland, who a lot of people include uh, have said, like I believe Thomas Drance made the comparison of him becoming Bo Horvat's equivalent to Brad Marchand. If he's like Patrice, Ber- it's like the the Brad Marchand to his Patrice Bergeron kind of thing. Sure, which is high praise. Like that's undoubtedly high praise. And Connor Garland is a guy who has been a huge plus for the Coyotes as far as scoring goes over the last few years on One a team of the few that pluses. Yeah, exactly. That team has struggled to their whole thing is they're they under Rick Tockett, their whole system was built on defensive structure, albeit not a, you know, with a defense that's not very good at it. So the forwards had to make up for it. Um, they, he was very good. He scored a lot for the coyotes in the last few years. And now you're telling me he might move into that second line. You throw Pearson on the third. That's not, that's not a bad looking group suddenly as far as your scoring is concerned like i mean we were i'm sure in the next episode in our big in our regular show we'll talk about the oilers and their and the mess that they're in right now now the canucks could outscore for the most part like from an from a full team lineup standpoint right now and that's kind of the teams you're looking at that you're probably gonna have to beat to get into the playoffs so that's not that's not bad the problem is in the fact that Connor Garland alone it is not worth the value of taking on $7 million a year of Oliver Ekman Larson for the next six years, especially when you were just about to get rid of almost the exact same amount of money at the end of this year. You're going to have one year where you're going to kind of, it's going to kind of suck for a bit, and then you'd be kind of free. Like you're outside so of that, the Myers, you were so close. You're you so just close. had to wait, and you could have had now it's all here of for this six and more, more years. Why? Like, in, like, okay, you know why it makes sense is because, of course, Jim Betting's trying to save his job. Like, this is a this and is Corey a I am, playoffs. Uh, yes, it's I like both. Literally, the only like literally the only bright side of OEL's contract is the idea of well, the the next GM I'm sure will fix it because you know there's going to be someone else coming in before that contract is done because like. There's no way. Like, there's just no way this team is that good for other than a couple of years. Like, they've completely minimized the window of which they they can win in. Like, they went from having a team that could potentially compete for quite a while and turn them into a, God, we have to hope they do all right in, like, two years before it turns into an absolute disaster. Yeah, it's – that's, like, the, I think the most frustrating thing is Canucks fans are pretty smart people. They – yeah, they're they're fine with the long term outlook. Like they know, they know when a team is operating with short term gains. They know when the team has like a a pipeline plan. So when everyone sees and understands that this final year of these three awful contracts are, you just gotta wait it out. Everyone's ready to wait it out. They're just waiting for the team to sign Pedersen and Hughes and 
you know, try and round out the forward and D groups with cheap players on short term deals so they can maybe they compete in a weird division. Maybe they don't. But the fan base is smart enough to know that the long term gains is way more important than the short term. And here's this move that satisfies neither. It's just a giant question mark in both directions. And so, of course, the fan base is rightly pissed. Like, yeah, they're not going to be happy about this. You and I aren't happy about this because it's just no. more of the same arguments every time. Like, how often did we talk about Tyler Myers in our first year of talking on this show together? Just how frustrating it was knowing the team excited values for, him worth six million dollars. Yeah, are you excited, excited for, for six, six years more, of seven million dollars? Yeah, man, yeah, six more years of us talking about this. This is how it's going to go because, like. It's it's a boat anchor contract right out of the gate. Like it, there's it's it's an immediate like the fact that the Coyotes were even able to move it to somebody is kind of nuts. That contract in reality should have probably stuck with them for the rest of his career. Like the way yeah. it's kind of structured, absolutely should have. The fact that they were able to get rid of him not only for the amount of stuff that they got, yeah. but also with only retaining. Like twelve percent, literally like, nothing. I'll take it's a million. Like, it's like a million or something. That's it. It's something, sure, but it's hilarious. It's it's almost kind of a yeah, sure. We'll retain twelve. I was gonna say they're laughing behind their they, breath as they do it because that's exactly what it is. Because like they know finger. what a what a ransom they just got. They they got out of paying the full deal, and like if you're if your options are a first round pick and a bunch of stuff that's going to expire and you get rid of a $8.25 million contract that it, on a player that isn't ever going to be a part of your contention window as a useful contributor, you're laughing. I bet they were laughing their asses off when they kept saying, Oh yeah, we'll take Beagle too. <laughs> we'll take Bruce L too. <laughs> yeah. I guess we can retain like a million or something. That's fair. I mean, we're doing you a huge favor with just taking the the first or the ninth overall pick. Like, it's so it's so funny. Like, it's just how many short sighted, quick shortcut moves is this GM going to get away or not even get away with, but attempt? He in can't keep getting seven away or eight with years. This. How yeah. can he keep getting away with this? It's unfathomable frankly that oh wow okay so the huge trade just happened it did like red wings happened? red wings acquired oh. the 15th overall pick in exchange for the, the for 23rd 48th and 138 Woo! that's that is kind of actually a very good way of describing today because here's the thing the oel trade is arguably not even the biggest like wackiest thing that happened today yeah like, we'll get that into that in our second episode yeah, with well, uh the real content yeah, um, but as far as like this trade is concerned and everything, like um, I mean, again, Connor Garland, we're gonna have to talk about him in the next couple of weeks, especially when yeah. it comes to his RFA deal. I've already seen some people saying that uh, teams should like uh, should like uh, team up and to offer sheet Garland and Pedersen oh. and just completely make the Canucks' well. lives miserable. Um, like it was something like, yeah, it was someone saying like Boston, I think it was Ryan Lambert from puck soup saying that Boston should offer sheet Garland and then Seattle should offer sheet Pedersen and then see what happens. 
Um, I mean, it could happen. They, so for this right is now, what, it's the twenty third. The twenty. Like, like, aren't you, okay, so side note: Aren't you tired of hearing people say they're going to get signed? Stop worrying about it. And it's like the GM literally was on a press call, basically saying we have nothing working right now. But if they do get offer sheeted, which will probably happen, we'll still sign. We'll match. Like that's not encouraging news. What you should hear from a it's GM like is him saying. It. Yes, it sounds which opens like they up, know it's already coming, which is yeah, it's, it really sounds like they're just like, we don't have a deal in place. We're not going to have one for another few weeks, which means offer sheets are coming and we're going to match them no matter what. But we're I mean, he said in his Sportsnet 650 interview, he th thought they were pretty well positioned cap wise, but they're still looking to shed money, which like you couple that Plus, with the offer sheet matching comment and you just go like, what, what is this guy even planning? What is he even you know doing? I mean, you know, what's wild is some guy actually predicted this trade uh, oh, back in June. Somebody, somebody said, somebody tweeted, uh, at five Canucks tweeted. All right. Canucks oh, that guys, guy did you sucks. Do? <laughs> okay. Well, look in June, in June 28, he, <laughs> okay. he tweeted, would you do ninth overall? 2022 second rounder Louis Erickson, Antoine Roussel for OEL and Garland. That oh, was that, actually did, he, did Jim missed, read that and then try it? Go. Oh, maybe it's maybe this is Jim betting. Maybe it, <laughs> maybe this is so mad at we me found we found his burner. No, like that's actually wild. Outside, literally, all it's missing is Beagle and that seventh rounder, that's and it, it would have been accurate. That's the well, you know thing what? already we haven't gotten into the guys we we've lost yet. Like there are guys like go, we've lost, which are kind of worth talking about because yeah, like, not just because of not necessarily from an on ice standpoint, but just of like what they represent as far as Canucks management's yeah. thinking has gone like Louis Erickson leaving. Like we expected he'd be gone already by next year. Like all these yeah. guys we did, but it is kind of a, it is a weird, uh, I don't want to say, I don't want to say bittersweet because that's the wrong way. <laughs> Yet, it's an it's the end of an era for certain. It really though. is. It's uh, like six or yeah, five, year, five years five ago years, now. Five years. It feels like Almost. six years, but five it five years like ago 10. when he played his first game and scored a own goal, um, and it just I have you, never you been knew... more sure of a bad omen. Than I that was. was and the best part about that whole thing, I think we've talked about on this show, is. On that play is Eric Goodbranson, another one of those signings that was chasing the puck, nowhere near close to it, sliding face first into the net and putting it off its moorings. Like Just you tried. You the tried most, there. the worst omen imaginable. For both of them, yeah. So bad. I'm glad the era's over. We don't ever have to hear about Erickson again. I mean, yeah. we probably will, depending on how this ninth overall pick for Arizona goes. Well, yeah, for, but, you got to think. Of, well, you got to think about tribute night. That's coming, like video tribute <laughs> night when he is on the ice for the Coyotes. I mean, he's got to be yeah, playing for them. What else, what else is he? What else do they have? They have. They don't have anything. This like, is true. They, I guess, they do have to ice a competitive or not competitive. They do need to ice an they, actual they have, roster. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the they can ice it. It can be just an AHL team. It's just, yeah. uh, it's just gonna say they'll just have the Kachina jerseys on, yeah, and that'll so, be it. So I'll end uh, with a little bit of positivity here because, yeah, I don't want this entire episode to be like doom and gloom. Everything's miserable, even though those things are all true. I do want to be a little positive here, and we'll get more into this into the next episode when we talk about the Seattle expansion draft. But I really think 
knowing the Canucks and Canuck luck, the Canucks are going to actually shake out pretty okay from this deal. I think OEL, worst case scenario, he's just another Myers on the third pair, but I have faith in Jack Rathbone and Quinn Hughes to be okay, provided they get a good complimentary piece in that top four. Now, yeah. Connor Garland signed to a good contract might be absolute money as a goal scorer for this organization. And yes. it might put to put to bed all of the ran out of time onto Foley shit, which is also good. Yeah. My final bit of positivity is the Seattle Kraken came into this week with $81.5 million in cap space and had all of the leverage on the planet to build a good team but also to acquire the kinds of assets that were traded in stuff like this in exchange for Louis Beagle and Roussel, but they didn't. And instead they drafted a team that might be okay, but I don't think is anywhere near a cup or playoff contender. Their number one center they drafted Yanni Gord is not going to be ready for the first month of play because he's going for shoulder surgery. So their number, their first line is going to be Jared McCann, Eunice Donskoy, and Jordan Eberle. Maybe Callie Yarncoke is, on, or Yarncoke that's a is good, on that first line. That's a good third line on that some That is a teams. perfectly Not fine a, third line on a good that's team. A, probably above average third line, yes. one but might because, say. But because we're, <laughs> we're almost an hour into this NHL entry draft and Seattle is nowhere to be found. I don't know if they're, they've got much left in the tank here, especially with at the rate that Arizona is taking on bad money at the rate that Air, Buffalo is shedding bad money at the rate that Philadelphia is ruining themselves in the future. Chicago, I don't know where, yeah, like, I don't know where Francis is at, but he's blowing some huge opportunities, but we'll get into that in our next the, episode. There's one thing. And, there's, one final there's, thought on this whole thing. Yes, um, I think it was. I think it was uh, our good buddy Wyatt Art, the Stanchion, uh, who a, a very who made a very good point uh, about this trade and what it means for ne- as far as next season goes. And I think I, I would imagine this also kind of includes the, the Dickinson trade as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in the fact of uh, what would the biggest problem? Ooh, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Last season with the Canucks was more than anything that they were not fun to watch. Like they were a bore. It was, they were a boring team to watch because of just every game was a slog. It was a disaster. Like there was nothing, there was nothing positive to take out of those games outside of when Nils Hoaglander had a good night because the team just kind of wasn't, it it very much was a team going through the motions a lot of times uh, last year because they just, what they didn't have anything in the tank. Um, the but if you remember the season before the 50th anniversary season the year that they went and beat the blues and uh beat yeah. the wild and took the knights to a game seven that team was entertaining as hell like they were a very fun team to watch that entire year they weren't the best team they almost maybe would have missed the playoffs had the season gone as normal but they were a fun group and i think i think wyatt put it well when he said that next year at the very least this team is going to be a fun team to watch as far as the hockey is concerned on the ice. They might not be the best. They might not even be, you know, they might not even make a playoff, make the playoffs next year. There's their chances are better than they were yesterday or like yeah. a few days or like this earlier this week, but at the very least they're going to be an interesting team to watch. It's not going to be just an absolute slog of a year again. 
the yeah. full time, this group, like even when OEL and Tyler Myers are on the ice playing together, at least, you know, <laughs> it's going to be interesting when they are. So yes. that in itself and hockey and at the end of the day, it's a sport, but it's also entertainment. And if you're getting your entertainment value out of a team, then what more can you ask for sometimes? Yeah. Yeah, you might not win a championship, but at least you'll get some championship meme material, and that's pretty much what Canucks fans have to hold themselves to at this point because they ain't winning the Stanley Cup anytime soon with this regime, and it's unfortunate. But that's probably enough on the entire Ekman-Larsen-Garland trade. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode. Keep your eyes peeled and your ears in tune because we're going to be coming back at you with a second episode, Creasecast episode 132, part two, coming tomorrow morning. That'll be Saturday the 24th as the second round of the draft will get underway. We're going to recap all the trades, the expansion draft, all that crap in episode two. And then next Tuesday, we'll probably go over all of the zaniness that's about to come. I had heard or had read that Jack Eichel being traded to New York is coming, but really haven't read anything else or saw anyone else pick this up. No idea if it's legit or not, but stay tuned folks. Cody just breaking trades on the breaking news. Well done. Well (laughs) done. (laughs) Thanks for tuning into this episode folks. And we'll catch you on the flippity flip. 